You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, episode 165? I think it's 165. And we are discussing several things tonight, and this show is brought to you by GameMat.eu and our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. We are discussing whether or not 9th edition is actually encouraging skill more than previous editions, which is an interesting thought. Let's discover how that could be later on. We're also talking about the Slogoth something or other, Muckraker, I don't know what it's called, Cruel Boy model. And uh, trust me, in this segment, I know what it's called, okay? And <laughs> and we also have Tesseract Mailbox from Grendel, and he disagrees with me, which, uh, okay, calm down, everybody. Grendel's allowed to disagree with me once per year. That's only as often as he's allowed to dis- disagree. It's actually in our Patreon agreement. So, um, if you want to earn the right to disagree with me once per year, then you can join the Patreon as well, and I will love you forever, and I will mail you sloppy kisses in a Ziploc bag, okay? You can just imagine what that looks like. Anyway, what have I been up to? Well, (laughs) it is fall, and the leaves are falling, and this is coffee sweatshirt weather, and I gotta tell you, the Pimpcron is a happy boy. That's right. A happy, happy boy. I cannot begin to verbalize to you the love and passion I have for fall. I absolutely love this time of year. I love Halloween. I love pumpkins. I love leaves falling. I love cool, crisp air. I just, man, I just love it. There's there's nothing better than fall, in my opinion. But uh, I have been up to a bunch of stuff. I played Brutality three games this week at the game club, and I intended to use my Grey Knights to play Warhammer 40k because Grendel got me that codex, but I've been putting off my friend Connor for three or four weeks at this juncture for playing Brutality, and I certainly don't want to discourage any interest in it, and he's been bugging me about it, and I... Uh, I've just been playing other games, so we played Brutality. We had three fantastic games of Brutality. I played my Sesame Street Warband that I just recently finished, and uh, my first list was um, Bert and Ernie and Big Bird and Elmo and Cookie Monster. I think that was it. And then the second list I took was Bert and Ernie and Big Bird and Super Grover, and Oscar the Grouch. And um, the count was in one of those lists. I forget which list. But anyway, so I had a lot of fun. I beat him 6-5 to five just by one point in game one. And then we played another game, and I beat him just by one point, 7-6. And then we played a third game, which was co-op. We were sick of being competitive. We co-opted against this monster, and uh, it was pretty funny. We we made this monster pretty nasty, and we were trying to kill it. And uh, uh, he went up to the first model in the first turn, his first activation, because he activates more than once per turn. And he just straight up kills... Um, who was it? He kills Oscar. Just straight up, bam, Oscar's dead. Then on his second activation, he just straight up kills Super Grover. And then his third activation, he just straight up kills one of Connor's guys. And I'm like, Connor, 
Listen, we need to we need to just start over. This <laughs> this dude is wreaking havoc. There's no way we're going to win this. Let's just restart. And Connor's like, "No, nah, man, we can still do it, you know." And I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'll play it through." And lo and behold, with only two models left, um I had Elmo left, who was a basic ranged, and he had he had this war suit monster that he brought. It was basically a towel uh, ghost keel that he's made into like a anime mech warrior thing, which is pretty cool looking. His guy was down to one or two hit points and Elmo was fully fine. And uh, it was, I could not believe we actually killed that monster. But what happened was um, Elmo being just a regular range guy, he did two hits. And uh, this is just one of the notable parts of the game. He did two hits on the monster. The monster failed both of them. And then Elmo rolled double tens for damage. So he did four damage in one one activation, which is nuts. And then the, the ghost keel thing did the last damage on him. Uh, so it was, it was a very, very close game. And uh, he ended up killing, gosh, what, we had like eight models, I think. So that monster killed six of them in four turns. That's, that's pretty nuts. Other than that, we had a terrain painting party today, and we had our friends Matt and TJ and Tim all come over, and um, we painted terrain for more Shorehammer, and uh, that was fun. We got to talk. Um, really, the four of us are some of the oldest members in our gaming group, to be honest, because uh, we all started, if you guys remember that episode when I talked about the different game stores, Game Store 1, the first one all four of us are from that original game store where um, I can't say that about literally any other member of our group come to think of it. I mean, just James started in the second store. So um, this is, uh, you know, this is pretty cool. So we all hung out and talked and uh, a bunch of bunch of hens in the hen house just clucking about as we paint train. And it's always fun with those guys. So uh, thank you very much, guys, uh, if you're listening, for um, doing that. I greatly appreciate it. It's nice to hang out with my buds and paint some terrain. And um, the painting terrain, of course, a lot of it's for uh, tournament. So it's not really, like, interesting terrain. It's gray ruins that you dry brush white. And, you know, it's like nothing special. But it's cool to hang out with everybody. So um, what else have I been up to? Um, Just work. And I think that's about it. I need to finish this um, supplement for Brutality, but work has gotten in the way, unfortunately. But um, everything is looking up, and um, I think that's where I'm going to end this intro. I'm, I feel, I really do feel like I'm missing something. Like, I'm, I should be telling you something, but I don't remember. So, oh well, maybe I'll remember it later. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. What segment is this, you ask? Well, I can tell you right now, it's the Tesseract Mailbox. And today, we have a letter from our friend Grendel. And he writes in, Good show. Now, this, of course, is referring to last last show. But obviously, this current show is also just fantastic. Anyway, he writes, Good show. Interesting take on GW. Now, let me stop here again. Uh, the last episode was about saying that Games Workshop, ultimately, it could be a possibility that they become so successful with their IP that, just like Marvel, they make more money off of like media and TV and movies and all that than actual miniatures. 
the same way Marvel makes way more on movies than they ever do on comic books, and it doesn't really become like an important thing anymore. Um, that's the same thing I said there. Um, or that GW could be purchased and then they're super greedy, whatever. So Andy says, interesting take on GW. I don't see it happening. They have tried the movie thing too many times and it hasn't worked. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I don't think it will. When you said you were going to play someone's orc tournament list, I knew you were in for a rough time. Gone are the days of the green tide. There are just too many negatives and very little positives of running huge boys. The buggies are where most people lean these days. Both the Rucka Truck Squig Buggy, the one that ignores line of sight, and the Mega Track Scrap Dret. <laughs> this is like a ton. Mega Track Scrap Dret. Dret. I keep putting an R in that. Mega Track, Mega Track Scrap Jet. The one that shoots a bunch of rockets are the one most people like. And yes, that's exactly what he had. He had those two. The RT, the Rucka Truck Squig Buggy just got a major boost and people are going nuts over it. Sorry you had to face that. <laughs> Me too, Grendel. I guess I can comment on the last subject while I'm at it. I do not get the return to metal. I hate metal models. The paint never stays on, looking at you, Tyrant and Hiveguard, and the poses are usually flat. I will take the fine cast over metal any day. The fact that they are Blood Bowl models is another strike, and they are a faction that is not even in the other games. Make it a clean sweep for a want that not. Have a good one, man. I'm looking forward to your show next week. <sighs> so, first off, he's talking about the Amazons from Blood Bowl, and I agree. I had no idea. He had to explain to me that they're not even a faction right now in Blood Bowl. So I guess they've completely um, retconned them or, or just completely done away with them. And yes, I get that a lot of the old metal models uh, were very flat. They were single cast, things like that. I get it. I also understand that paint can sometimes come off metal models. But in general, generally speaking, I think that the sculpting process that happens with metal models gives them so much more character than a lot of your plastic digitally sculpted models. Now, I agree metal has a lot of problems, but I do like myself a metal model once in a while. I, I agree that plastic's obviously far superior. Uh, the fine cast, I was never a fan of. Uh, maybe the detail's a little better. Obviously, they're easier to kitbash and, and whatnot because it's soft, but I I would rather have metal than um than resin any day as far as the fine cast goes. Um, and the green tide, yeah, that, that was the thing for quite some time, wasn't it? But now it's dead. And, uh, I personally hate horde armies. I hate running horde armies. I hate facing horde armies uh, simply for the reason that it takes so darn long to move them unless you're using like movement trays or something. Um, that's why I don't really own hardly any horde armies. I guess my gene stealer cult would be the closest to a horde army. And that is one of the deterrents for me ever playing them as well. Is because, oh my gosh, i got to get out 60 models? Ugh. Don't care for it. Um, now, he says, Grendel says, they have tried the movie thing too many times and it hasn't worked. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I don't think it will. I somewhat beg to differ, Mr. Grendel, because the trajectory they're going with the more popularity, the more... Uh, accessibility, the, mo the more um, light being shown on this property, just like the same thing could have been said about Marvel and DC and all the comic book properties. 
for decades, people were like, wow, some of the storytelling is really good. Wow, these characters are really good. Somebody ought to make a movie about them. And everybody was like, oh, no, there's no way. Spider-Man movie? Oh, come on. And the Spider-Man movie thing was in limbo for like 20 years. Now, obviously, Superman made a big splash, but then they kind of foobarred it in the second and third uh movies and this the batman thing originally made a splash and then the subsequent movies kind of sucked so it was really an unproven thing and especially with marvel movies besides blade i think blade was pretty popular and the x-men was pretty popular when it came out but those were like pioneers for marvel and i never thought that we'd ever see i mean captain america for crying out loud most people prior to the movies could the average person had no idea who Captain America was. They'd be like, you'd say Captain America, and they'd be like, what? Who's that? Iron Man? Who's that? I think a lot of people knew Hulk. I knew a lot lot of people knew Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman. But uh, a lot of the Marvel characters, Black Widow? (laughs) Come on, nobody knew who Black Widow was. Um, Obviously, comic book people did, gamers did, nerds, that sort of thing, but the general population did not. Same thing with for 40K right now. You know, we say, oh, Space Marines and Eldar, and most people go, what? What is that? But one of these days, if they played their cards right, I really think it would be another explosion because we all know the superhero genre is played out. We know the whole thing is people are getting sick of the whole superhero thing. A lot of people bellyache about it. And I really think that Warhammer is entirely different. It's kind of like... D&D, if they didn't screw up all their movies, they could have had a huge franchise because D&D is so popular, it's in the zeitgeist, it's all that. So if they had some really good movies, um, similar to like Lord of the Rings, then wow, it would be this big thing. Well, it's the same thing with 40K. 40K is so interesting and specific and unique compared to anything else. Um... I mean, look at Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is arguably Guard versus Nids, right? That's the comparison everyone always makes. And that did pretty darn well, and it was not, you know, a, a A-class movie by any means. So, it's also one of my favorite movies of all time, just for the campiness. So, anyway, I understand that you disagree, and... I also agree that it's probably not likely, but then again, it was probably not likely that there was ever a Captain America movie, let alone three Captain America movies. So if it happens, it's going to go out with a bang. I guarantee it. Want that or want that not? On this Want That or Want That Not, we are covering the Marsh Crawler Slogoth for Age of Sigmar. It's one of the Cruel Boys things, and it's a gruesome behemoth ridden by Sneak Grotz. Do they mean Sneaky Grotz? I don't know, but the Grotz do look pretty sneaky. Um, This is essentially, think of a mix between a giant Trogoth, like larger than a normal Trogoth, but which of course is the new version of Trolls, and mix it with a goblin where it's got like pointy ears, a sharp nose, all the goblin features. And it's crawling on all fours, and strapped to its back is a big howda of sloppily slapped together wood and, and metal and chains and whatnot. And the howda has at least three grots on it. I It's hard for me to see exactly how many grots, but they've got nets and they've got like a... Uh, prods and things like that sticking off the top of it and i gotta tell you this is a fantastic model 
this is really, really pretty. I I have nothing bad to say about this at all. I am truly liking the whole motif for the Cruel Boys as it is. I'm assuming this is a Cruel Boys uh, thing. It says, rally your Cruel Boys with a Howda mounted war drum. Oh, so it's a drum. Interesting. But anyway, it is fantastic. Spikes everywhere. Um, poorly cut wood. Like hammered metal. A uh, bunch of chains and things like that. A head on a spike. And this dude's just going nuts on the drum. And this monster is really cool looking. It's not your typical monster. Like I said, it looks like a Trogoth. But it's on all fours. And I I just love it. I Apparently it's called a Slogoth. And I love the idea that they are taking with the, um, the trolls or trogoths or the squigs and all of this stuff. I love that they're breathing new life into these ideas. And now we don't have a trogoth, we have a slogoth. And that is fantastic. So I don't know exactly what its rules are or anything like that, but the entire motif of the Cruel Boys is more realism. Now, these goblins don't necessarily look realistic. They they have a little more of the cartoony look to it, and the Slogoth is a little more cartoony. It's a little more Age of Sigmar looking. A lot of the Cruel Boys, I feel, have a very realistic, rugged look to them, as if they're real things and not caricatures. But these are a little more onto the traditional AOS vibe, but I still love it. They've got manacles and chains and stuff that hang in, and... Uh, it's, there's a lot of detail here, but this does not look like it would be a pain to paint. Like, there's a lot of wood, there's a lot of metal, but arguably, that's not really that hard to paint. You know, the metal is metal color and, and whatnot. It's different when they have a million, like, little trinkets. Like I said, I'm painting a penitent engine for my Sisters of Battle, and oh my goodness, it has so many little, you know, bits and bobs and things dangling and chains and insignia and all this stuff. It to me, it ultimately becomes annoying to paint because there's so much detail. And it's the same complaint I had about the Sisters of Battle themselves. They have a million little pouches and purity seals and, you know, leather straps and just a bunch of crap on them. This looks much more streamlined to paint. And I really like it. Now I have I know I have no knowledge of exactly how this thing plays or what it is, but you know what? It's only fifty dollars. And, I mean, maybe I've been abused by Games Workshop so long that I've got my beer goggles on or something, but $50 does not seem bad for this. Unless, of course, this is smaller than I think. It appears to be on a flyer base, and that would make it a pretty large monster because its hands are at one end of the base and its feet at the other. So it'd be pretty large, but... It is only $50, and I'm shocked it's not 60 Now, I can I can maybe guess that it's not, like, super powerful or whatever. Who knows? But I really like it. Uh, I also see Kitvash options here, um, because this Slogoth looks so fantastic. I could definitely see you use it in different things. Um, so this would be, like, something awesome even to use for Brutality. And at $50, eh, for a big monster, not too bad. I think it's a... Uh, I think it's pretty cool. So, it is definitely a want that for me, and I swear, every time I see another Cool Boys thing, I'm just like, man, I guess I gotta get that one day. I don't have any Cool Boys yet. I'm holding off. I've actually been in a bit of a dry spell as far as I really have not been buying much merchandise. 
Um, I don't know if I'm just aging in the in the uh, the hobby or what, but I really have spent like <laughs> not much money at all. Like I bought the Stormcast book in the last couple months, and I bought some Sisters War suits, and uh, I think that's it. I've I've bought very little over the summer, so. Um, but the cruel boys, you know, I'm just not, I'm actually in the process of like downsizing, as you know, for the last year or two, I've slowly been thinning out my armies and making them smaller, not really getting rid of any armies per se, but just selling off a big chunk of them and making sure they play a certain way. And that's just the way that army for me is going to play. So, um, but the, the, all these cruel boys monsters that are coming out, I just think they're great. I, I love every single one of them. So I might see if there's a possibility of playing the Cruel Boys in this way where I can bring a bunch of monsters, and maybe I'll do that. But $50 for this seems like a good deal, and it's a beautiful model, and it's unique. So I have no negatives at all to say about this, and I suggest you get it if you want. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. This is Real Talk with the Pimp Crown, and tonight we are discussing something that I don't often do, but it's fun to do once in a while. I am taking the opposite side of how I really feel, and trying to give credence to another position or another viewpoint. And the idea is, what if, let's think about this for a second, I tend to think that complexity does not equal a good game. And the increased complexity of each codex in the new 9th edition is kind of a turnoff for me, and I know several other gamers that are not thrilled about the added complexity. And my gut reaction is that it caters more to the tournament, cheesy, you know, meta, and not to the casual fun player. Also, with complexity upon complexity, you greatly need to know your rulebook, and you greatly need to research it. But... What if, on the flip side, what if it actually promoted less cheese and it promoted more skill in the game? Because typically, what you see is people rely on cheese and not skill. So, I think there's some credence to this idea that these new codexes may be forcing people to use more skill in the hobby, which... You know, this may not be true, but let's think about this for a minute because I think there might be some truth to it. If you use a bunch of cheese, you are typically, in my experience, not either willing to use the army well, or maybe you're just not a very um, strategic thinker. You're not very good at strategy. You're not very good very good at tactics or anything like that. And, you know, everybody's built differently. So that that very well could be it. And I do know some people that rely on cheese because they are not good at strategy. And typically, when I play those people, you know, it kind of balances stuff out because they really do need that cheesy nonsense they read online in order to level the playing field because they're not so great at decisions. So then it ends up being that if they made better decisions, they would completely stop me. But luckily, they don't make good decisions. So that does help level the playing field for some players. But um, in this case, 
like I said, the, the added complexity to these codecs is make it harder for people like me that have multiple armies to learn your armies. Because a lot of us only play an army for a month and then switch over to another army, another army, and another army. Uh, before eventually circling back to this first one. And all these different phases and doctrines and artifacts and warlord traits and chapter tactics and blah, 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 blah. You really have to know your codex in order to play it. And in 8th edition, 8th edition, it was much easier. I could just pick up a codex and um, I'd start the game. I'd make a list of whatever I wanted to bring. I'd t pick whatever chapter I felt like doing. I'd start the game and then I'd pick like when we're deploying or whatever. Then I'd start picking warlord traits and stuff because... Uh, just I hadn't even thought of it and a lot of times I forgot to pick spells and I could just do it on the fly and it was no big deal and the stratagems ah, two pages of stratagems I'll read them in the game and I'll, I'll figure out what I want to use once the game's already started now with you know seven pages of stratagems and all sorts of doctrines and phases and all that stuff you really do need to know what you're doing ahead of time now of course there are still net lists there's still the grind and the meta of the oh this is ultra awesome and you can you know layer these different effects to make this ultra good and unbeatable and blah 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 but i find that it's possible somebody could look at it as with the added complexity you not only bring things to the table like units because a unit basically does a thing right a unit has a role it's either good at shooting, or it's good at melee, or it's good at psychic, or it's some sort of combination of those two. You're never going to um, do an all-space marine army with no librarians and try to make them do psychic powers. You you can't do it. They don't know psychic powers. you know. Or you're not going to take an entire Tau gun line and just constantly charge them into, into melee. You're not going to do that because that's not what they're good at. So... It's pretty easy when the rule books are simpler, like in 8th edition, that all you need to know in order to play a game, uh, uh, army pretty well, is a good net list. And that's because the armies pretty much tell you how to play. Um, as a rule of thumb, people with guns uh, sit back and shoot. People with melee weapons run up and punch things. That's basically how you go. Um, if they've got some sort of like two fingers pointing towards their temple, like a Professor X style, uh, they probably have psychic powers. And you can basically just do it that way. And it's kind of on autopilot. But if you start bringing phases into the scenario, then there are certain times that you will be better suited to, let's say, melee, or better suited to shooting heavy weapons, or whatever. Especially in the case with Necrons, where you have to pick everything ahead of time. So, when you're using Necrons properly, you've got to pick which um, protocol comes in at each turn, which means, in the beginning of the game, before the game even starts, you've got to know what units do what well, and when you are most likely to need those different doctrines that will buff those things. And that is a whole nother level of strategy and all of that. So technically, you know, your net list could include that though, right? So it's going to be like, okay, what you want to do is you want to take exactly 12 flayed ones. Then you, <laughs> no one takes flayed ones. Um, you want to take exactly 17,000, uh, I don't know destroyers or something uh, whatever the meta is i don't even know what the meta is to be honest um what's good now kids huh i'm i'm just an old man who doesn't follow all the the current trends um 
whatever. Take 17 of this thing that's just fantastic. And then you take nine of this thing and blah, blah, blah. And then with these, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to pick this protocol turn one, this one turn two, this one turn three, blah, 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 blah. So you could also include that information in your net list. Now, it's already one level harder to play the army because now you need to learn when to use those certain units at the best beneficial time, which means turn two or three or whatever. So there is some skill right there in knowing when to apply that buff or pressure or whatever. But there's an added level with the expansion of stratagems and a lot of stratagems um, being more multi-use. A lot of them seem to be expanded to not just one unit, but you know, it's like infantry, blah, 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 instead of like, oh, Sterngarn veterans or whatever it was. Um, a lot of them used to be very unit specific, and I'm finding in ninth edition that there are fewer unit specific ones. Um, there's a lot more that seem to be more useful across the board. And the stratagems there, there's no net list in the world that can tell you when to use a stratagem. And that is what's interesting to me. As far as also the Arcanums, I think they're called, in uh, Necrons, it's essentially like those things that your warlord or your tech priest or whatever can take. You know, the once-per-game things. Well, there's no netlist in the world that can tell you when to use that. So it's interesting. A netlist is good at showing you what you should take. And the units themselves basically tell you how they should be used, but no netlist in the world can tell you when you should use something because that is a game-by-game -game scenario. It would be very different when you're playing Tau versus when you're playing Grey Knights or Guard or Eldar or whatever. And it also depends on what your opponent is taking. So it's much more situational. So going back to my original statement, it could be argued that with this added complexity of a bunch of once per game use stuff and stratagems needing to be used at the right time and actions taken by specific units that get the most benefit at certain times during the game, such as during the Devastator Doctrine or whatever, you could actually argue that this new version of Warhammer is actually more skill focused because you need to know when to use things versus just what to take and let them do what they're good at. That could be the argument made. And to be honest, I think I may have convinced myself. There is a bit of... Yeah, there, there is some credence to that argument that knowing when to do something, not just what to take, it's kind of like... Oh, you should definitely bring a gun to this fight, but you don't know who or when to shoot at. <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's they can tell you what to bring but not how to use it. And in the past it was always much easier to use things because the unit themselves dictated what they should do. You know, I mean, your corn berserkers are not going to sit there and just use pistols all game. No, that's not what they're good at. So generally speaking, the new version of Warhammer 40k is actually more skill-based and it rewards better players more than 8th edition, which is something I cannot believe I just said because 8th edition was so fun and fast and friendly and I still prefer 8th edition, but maybe 9th edition has some credence that I had not ever thought about before and that is the benefit of looking at the other side of the aisle and looking at the other way that people may see things and to be honest, 
I think it's true now that I think about it. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. And thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show. Event 10 will get you 10% off your order. And uh, my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, voluptuous uh, Patreon patrons, thank you so much for supporting my show. I greatly do appreciate it, and you make this show possible. So if you like enjoying, enjoying the show and you know a Patreon member, thank them for keeping the show on the air because the hosting and all of that for this, all these episodes, you want to go listen to all 165 episodes whenever you want. Well, that is only due to the storage space we pay for, which is funded by the Patreon team. So thank them. Anyway, have a nice day and I will talk to you next week.